Under the Dome Radio, the full fan feedback discussion for Season 2, Episode 13, the season finale entitled Go Now, recorded September 29th, 2014. It's Under the Dome Radio, the unofficial podcast by and for fans of CBS TV's Under the Dome. And this is episode 49 of Under the Dome Radio. Show notes with things we talk about tonight and the bullet points will be at underthedomeradio.com slash 49. And we'd still love to hear your feedback. Just go to underthedomeradio.com slash feedback to go that way. And we want to remind you that Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. And we are thrilled to have now served over 5 million podcast downloads at Noodle Mix. So thank you for being a part of the community Check out our other podcast that'll make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. We're also sponsored by our affiliate links, where you can even pre-order season two of Under the Dome on Blu-ray. Just go to underthedomeradio.com slash Amazon for all the details. I'm at Wayne Henderson, your voice acting, podcasting, Green Bay Packers fan, but some folks just call me Sir Wayne. And I'm at Troy Heinrichs, returned from the dead of 25 years, Sucked down a hole to still be here almost 50 episodes later, yet I am in my wet nightgown, but none of that matters because you can just call me Sir Troy. <laughs> Glad to be back. Oh, tonight we're going to be covering all kinds of stuff. Break it down for us, Troy. Yes, we'll have our usual breaking news segment. We'll look at the Under the Dome season finale We'll be looking at the Under the Dome season finale ratings and how it's stacked up against the competition. And then we'll go on the air where we kind of discuss one or two more final bullet points about the finale itself. But we'll go more in depth into season two specifically as a whole. And then we'll go on location where we talk to all of you guys, the fans, before we then head over to our investigative reporting section where we put a kind of a bow, I guess, on the book stuff for this season since we are way off the reservation now. And then, of course, requests and dedication where we thank all of you who have helped get out the word this season for Under the Dome Radio. Sounds like an awesome show. Let's get it underway. Well, as expected, the fall season premieres all kicked off last Monday night. So Under the Dome's finale was up against some stiff competition. But I think the one thing that helped Under the Dome was that it was actually uh, coupled with a Big Bang Theory twofer at 7 and 7.30. They're 8, 8.30 Eastern and Pacific, followed by the new show Scorpion, which got a lot of uh, advertisement for. And I actually watched it and thought it was pretty decent. So I think a lot of people were hanging around after Scorpion to then go into Under the Dome because we had probably our best week yet since the premiere of the season with a 185 rating in that 18 to 49 demo and up to seven and a half million live plus same day viewers, which is pretty respectable considering that it was up against the season premiere of The Blacklist, which did 12 million viewers for a 3410 and then the new ABC show Forever did a 174 with 8.5 million viewers, but that is not its original time slot, and that show was actually posted online for most people to see ahead of time. So I would say that the Under the Dome finale held pretty well against the juggernaut that is the Blacklist. 
Yeah, it sounds like everybody who loves to watch uh, serialized television is now aware that summer is over and there was a bunch of people watching a bunch of TV last week. I was glad to have all of our shows come back. And then I'm actually, of course, doing that Blacklist Exposed podcast at goldenspiralmedia.com slash the blacklist. And it was great to see that there was room for both shows on Monday night. Excellent stuff. So the season is underway for all these other shows. The season is now over for Under the Dome. So why don't we go ahead and go on the air and just, uh, like you said, a few more bullet points and topic points, because we've got a fantastic amount of listener feedback to share with you this week. Where do you want to start, Troy? Well, there was a quake again at the new, we'll call it Melanie Crater, if you will. And that quake at the crater, my question is, did the quake open up the tunnels or was the tunnel already there and it was just the hole that gave access to the tunnels and the quake really had no bearing whatsoever on closing up or opening them up passages to say Zenith or other places. Yeah, it is kind of interesting that all those things started happening at the same time. I'm going to go with the, the aspect of it that it's all tied together, but I don't think the earthquakes caused the tunnels. I just think the earthquakes are there because this whole part of Chester's mill is so unstable right now that everything is breaking loose. I mean, you got the new crater, you've got <laughs> butterflies. Maybe it's the butterflies that caused the earthquake. Yeah. I mean, if a horde of butterflies move that fast and in such unison, it could cause a tremor. And you know, there's always that butterfly effect and this is the butterfly effect in full effect. So it, it could be most anything. I don't think we're going to find out the real answer. Now, Pauline was talking about there being somebody else, and she said, I can't see his face. Do you still think that she was talking about good old Barb's, or was the Tom Tilden son really the one that she was seeing? And I guess we'll never know, because, of course, Becky Pine took care of that for us. <laughs> Thank you, Becky Pine. Very kind of you to finally listen to the Dome. I think the obvious answer would be that it's Babs. But I think the showrunners, if we do get that season three, I have a feeling that that uh, Tilden son being brought into the picture for no real reason means that he is going to have a bigger role in the season three of Under the Dome if we get it. Yeah, and we still do not know. We have not gotten any word if season three will commence. I am sure that it's probably related to the taxing situation that is going on in North Carolina. They actually did pass a bill that's going to basically crush the North Carolina filming industry with the way that they can do these tax incentives and tax breaks. And it's actually for the worse. So mm. uh, unfortunately our, our good friends there in Wilmington, you know, hopefully their work will still be coming their way, but I'm, I'm curious to find out if they're going to be coming back to Wilmington to shoot season three, or if they're going to look for other locations. I know it's a big mess and it's too early to tell there's, such a long time for everything to kind of shake out and see what really happens. Hoping for the best. Now, Pauline was bleeding out and she thinks that she can still paint her way out. Is this truly something that she wanted to do? Or did you think it was just a ploy to get Junior out of the room? The more I think about it um, and watching the episode again a second time and hearing a lot of other people comment about it. I do think it's just uh, basically a way to get everybody out of the room. But on first viewing, I believed it that she wanted her precious brushes. 
so she could paint her way out. But now it looks like she just wanted to get along with Rebecca Pine. For whatever reason, she thought that Becky Pine would uh, take care of ending Pauline's suffering. All right. Well, we talked a lot about the finale on the initial reactions episode a week ago. I want to spend some more time this evening talking about the season as a whole. And I'm going to start with character relationships, mostly starting with, of course, Becky and Pauline, because Pauline wanted Becky to go ahead and end her life or help her along. And I have to ask the question, you know, they started this whole conversation about Becky. No, nobody calls me that anymore. It's Rebecca. So what was the relationship? Are we ever going to get that story and I think that's really a lot of what my frustration with season two was, was the introduction of stories that were interesting, but no resolution or no clarity around them. And then, of course, when if when and if we do get an answer, will we care when that answer is delivered? <laughs> that's a good question about whether or not we, people will care. But I don't think we're going to get an answer whether or not there's a season three. I just think it's one of those things that kind of died on the vine and we're just not going to know. I mean, because obviously it was introduced that they had a previous relationship and that's why we're supposed to care when they have this conversation about ending her life, which of course then ends Becky's life, you know, in the long run. Yeah. But there were so many things exactly like that throughout season two, especially of under the dome that we never got resolution to. And most of those I bet we'll never get resolution to. It's like you said, frustrating. So the big ones that I kind of go, I I go all the way back to season one. So the two big storylines in season one, maybe three storylines, maybe four storylines. I keep adding them up now as I go through my head. (laughs) Okay. So four storylines, number one, the egg, number two, the real estate company that Maxine apparently worked for outside of the dome that I guess was involved in the rapture drug ring or whatever uh, at the same time. So there's, there's something about an organizational group outside of the dome that Maxine was working for that seemed to be a big thing. Otherwise why introduce Maxine's character in season one? So the egg, this corporation, the four hands and the vision of them stabbing big Jim or something to big Jim that, was at their own hands. We don't know if they needed to stab them literally or not, but the fact that big Jim had to die at their hands. And then the fourth thing is this, uh, reaching out from the other side, a la Joe, you know, the monarch will be crowned Alice. Hey, you know, we're just learning how to communicate with you, but the dome is here to protect you from something. So those are the four big kind of carryovers that you would expect to have more conversation about in season two. So, I think we get glimpses of some of that. Obviously we had a lot with the egg in season two, not that we ever got any answers as to what the egg was all about. There was way too much about the egg in season two, to be quite frank. Okay. Um, Then we have Acteon energy. Now is this part of the corporation or mega corporation that Maxine was involved with, or is it, that Acteon's new building that they had that the Hounds of Diana were all ticked off about being built in their beautiful downtown area was that bought from the real estate company so that they're kind of in cahoots like a Hanso Foundation with the Widmore Corporation, if you will. Right. I think they're totally in cahoots. In fact, I don't believe there really was a real estate company. I think they were possibly referring to Acteon Energy and just saying, 
you know, the real estate company, wink, wink. Or is acting on a larger corporate mega company somewhere else and Acton Energy is just one of its subsidiaries. That could very well be as well. That, now, that's a storyline that even though we don't really know where it's going yet, that one, I'd say, falls into the category of must be answered. Okay. Then we have the vision of Big Jim apparently needing to die and the dome is giving them this vision. If you want to believe the dome is giving them the vision versus something else. And then the dome tells them in the opening, well, you have to know true sacrifice in order to, you know, save your son. And he ends up trying to kill himself, but then gets saved because Julia saves him. So is the dome really behind all of this, you know, you have to die, you have to live concept, or is something else manipulating the pieces on the chessboard? It's an excellent question, Troy. I'm, I really think that the dome and these apparitions that claim to be representatives of the dome are totally separate. And like you said, someone else is manipulating the chessboard pieces, pretending that they are speaking on behalf of the dome. And like you talked about in past episodes, the two warring factions, you know, that might be behind this whole thing. There might be a bigger picture of two, you know, a good and a bad, or maybe just two different bad ones. And our folks in Chester's Mill are just kind of stuck in the middle. And then with those apparitions, then do you think that there's continuity between the two seasons where the apparitions we saw in season one, similar to Dodie and Linda and was it junior subconscious that projected Angie or was that really the dome projecting Angie? We don't really know because you have that entire blackout period that junior did have in the season opener that may change the rules of how he perceives things throughout the course of the second season. Yeah. And it's probably something that hasn't even been decided by the writers just yet. So I, I they feel so different. You know, when we had, uh, Nori's mom appear at the end of season one. That is so different than all the ones that happened this year. I think they were all hallucinations. You know, the Rennies, the whole family, whether or not they're quote unquote chosen by the dome, the Rennies do have some special sort of mental imbalance that probably causes them to have hallucinations. So with a show like this, you know, we have this great carryover from season one to season two with the opener. We have the transition of the egg in the lake and Julia still out there. We have the transition of what happens when the dome goes to white and it seemed like it was a connected story. And then we got to episode two and it went back to crisis of the week. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is really the plan? Cause I mean, even at that point early on in the season, granted it was still a little like, okay, sure. The plane rubs up against the dome and is able to magically land because there's a secret button. And we're all kind of like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but it still seemed like it was connected, right? Cause we were getting introduced to the science teacher and this concept of science versus faith. And that theme kind of kept going in episode three and episode four with the whole force majeure and the introduction of the past Melanie past four hands, 25 years ago event. And I thought that part of it was still pretty decent at that moment. And for all intents purposes, you know, the majority of the first half of season two actually was quite interesting. 
in, in, in kind of setting up where they could go long term for this supposed season three to season five. My biggest challenge was, was that then we got to Comic-Con and you said all these great things and I didn't see anything that Comic-Con basically set forth for us. Like you'll get an answer of what the egg is. Okay. The egg. Still waiting. Yeah. The egg was a power source for the dome and the dome is contracting. Is that the answer? Are we supposed to just read into that? Are you going to tell us specifically what it's for? So they might think they gave you an answer and the audience is kind of like, you didn't give us an answer. Does, does the audience get impacted because of that? Or does the audience not care? I bet the audience is split on that. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'm with you that that's not really an answer. I really want to know what made this egg, where'd the egg come from? Is it from, you know, that meteor? Is it from outer space? You know, that would be an answer. Right now, it's just like uh, it's some sort of magical power source that, for whatever reason, Don Barbara is able to pick up, even though most other people outside of the dome can't. And even some of the people that were in the dome couldn't pick it up and others could. So why, 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 why? Yeah. Why Melanie brought back from the dead? Why Pauline is the only one that has visions? Why not all four hands or the future four hands? Yeah, there's just so much with this egg that you have to protect it. You know, don't let anybody get their hands on it. Okay, why? You know, even that part wasn't answered. Why does it need to be protected? That would be something. And we didn't get any of that. And of course, is it connected to the dome? We may or may not find out. Then, of course, there was the introduction of what we'll now call the dome monster, since we can't refer to the smoke monster from Lost. (laughs) But the dome monster, you know, what are the properties there? You know, it seemed like the people were traveling through time or flashing through time, if you will. And based on how long their memory was or their event was determined how quickly they came back to wherever they were coming to. So it wasn't like Lyle was trapped between time and space. He eventually showed up. The question is, was he able to control the amount of time he was gone or were you stuck in the in-between as long as the dome or the dome monster wanted to keep you there? We will probably never know. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised even if we get season three, I doubt we'll ever see that smoke monster. I mean, dome monster again. Is it important? I mean, why was it introduced? This is, these are the questions I've been struggling with over the last week is the, if we get a season three, do I care anymore? Like at the end of season one, I was like, man, 39 weeks, that's a long time to wait for the show to come back. And I really want to know if Barbie's going to get hung and the cliffhanger was pretty sweet. And then we have this whole season and now the cliffhanger is pretty sweet. I'm curious to find out what the heck the bright white light is, but you know, the whole reason we watch these shows is to be invested in the characters. And I just don't see the character investment after the season, like it was after season one. Exactly. And I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit. The ending, the cliffhanger with I'm here to, you know, follow me, let's go now and all that stuff with the hatchling. That part I think is totally ridiculous and I don't care at all. I think that's just pathetic. What I do care about is the fact that we've got uh, Big Jim 
and Junior and let's see, Julia Shumway and maybe some other residents of Chester's Mill. We have those three pivotal characters kind of trapped and not able to get with the rest of the gang. What are they going to do? Are they going to find a way to band together? Is Big Jim still going to be full bore crazy and try to maybe even kill his son as well as he did say that he wanted to slit Julia Shumway's throat? But what's going to happen between those three since at least at this point they're trapped? Of course, at the very beginning of a season three episode, they may miraculously get most of them across that uh, cavern and they'll be able to escape to wherever it is the hatchling is taking them. And I think that's one of the big questions for this season is this whole science versus faith. You know, do we have the science team sticking behind? You know, do we have the faith team going forward? Is it a combo of the two? Because you had Big Jim, who was pretty much a science guy at first, right? There's something wrong with my wife. My wife needs help. I don't understand why my wife is crazy. And now you have don't, uh, I was going to say dome Jesus again, but uh, you have Big Jim who is, now seems to be part of the church of the dome. But then of course he's talking back to the dome. So he's almost going against his quote unquote God, if you will. And you know, those mood swings, even though Dean Norris did a fantastic job this season, I thought he brought out the true big Jim that we've all been waiting to see very well at the same time. It's, it's the back and forth. It's just so unbelievable in his character that you have to sit there and go, is this really what we're trying to get across when it comes to these relationships? <laughs> I would not be surprised if all of these episodes were filmed totally in a different order and they just <laughs> kind of found a way to try to make them go in a particular order. Because like you said, not only Big Jim, but so many other characters on the show, their personalities changing from week to week. It's almost like all the different groups of writers were just writing something for themselves without really investigating what the past writers have done. And for whatever reason, the actors, when they were being filmed, didn't speak up in between takes saying, you know, this doesn't make sense. My character wasn't like this yesterday, dome time, but uh, I don't know. They're going to probably find a way to try to make it uh, seem like they were planning it this way all along, but I don't know. It's a little flimsy. Well, and the one big message that I think they were really trying to get across this season, and this might just be me because of you know the faith I subscribe to but there's always this concept of when you read the Bible, you know, do you interpret it through your human eyes, your, your, you know, call it man's eyes, not that it's a sexist thing, but through man's eyes versus a spiritual lens, right? Are you trying to interpret it the way you would try to make it be versus what it really is? And I think we actually see a lot of that happening through the Lyle and Sam and Pauline characters where they're quote unquote interpreting, we'll call it the Bible, right? The, the scrapbook of drawings and paintings from Pauline. And you even had it referenced a few times where Lyle's like, well, the way I see it, it's really this. And Pauline was like, well, I painted it. I knew she was going to do this, but I didn't, didn't know it was going to do that. You know? And then of course, Sam doing the ultimate, which was, you know, you told me I had to go ahead and kill these four hands to bring the dome up. So again, it's all interpretation by man. So is that really the undertone theme of this season is man will always choose what man wants to do versus really truly believing and trusting in the right path. That is really deep, Troy. And I think they should consult with you on these types of things. I could see where 
you know, in the end they could go that route, but I really don't think they're thinking quite that deep, but I do like your aspect of it. And there has to be something. Why do we watch the show? I mean, that's the really the key question for me at coming out of season two. It's the not so much. What are the answers? We talked about this with lost a lot, right? Is it, it's not about what the Island is. It's not about why does time work differently? Why do you end up in the middle of the desert when you're down in someplace cold to get there? You know, it's not about that. It's about the, you know, what do you get out of it by watching the show? And that's the question I have for season three. What am I going to get out of it? If I come back 39 weeks from now, am I going to be amped up and excited like I was for season two? Or am I just going to be like, oh, hey, Dome's on. You know, I've thought about that myself when it does come back. What type of mood will I be in to see that season three premiere of Under the Dome? And, you know, after 38, 39 weeks go by, all of our visions are going to change and maybe there will be a whole new video clip shown at the next Comic-Con that's going to promise a lot of grand things and we'll all be super geeked up again. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to have to decide what will be the true motivation of what actually happens and how are these stories going to tie up. I'm really hoping that we just go one more season and not five seasons. I think we really need to focus on getting these uh, stories tightened up and make sure that we really tell cohesive uh, character development stories, cohesive plot moving stories. We really need to make sure that we only have 13 episodes. People complain it's not a long enough time in order to actually develop what we need to develop. But at the same time, we didn't develop anything. It seems like we're still in the exact same place as we were at the end of the first season. In many aspects, we are in the same type of situation. And I, I cannot see this show going for more than another year. Like you talked about wrap it up after three, but even ratings wise, I cannot imagine it going beyond three seasons. So if there is a season three, let's hope for a light, tight, focused, you know, kind of like what Fringe did. They, the fans were able to get Fringe a final fifth season. It was technically a half of a season, but better than nothing. And through that half of a season about, I think it was about 11, 12 or 13 episodes, they were able to really focus on trying to wrap up the story they wanted to tell. So I could see this going that same route, but again, we have to just kind of wait and see. Well, we want to get to that fan feedback because that's really where the bread and butter is for this podcast. So let's go ahead and give our final ratings for this episode and also the season. And I'm going to start with the finale. I gave it a seven out of 10 hammer shots heard around the world. And I only went with a seven because the big gym and the, Showtime-esque elements that came out of this episode, I think is really where I was excited for the finale. Even the uh, Pauline having Becky kill Pauline, I thought was a really great twist. Uh, For most of the finale, even though it was kind of goofy, you know, the stories were really, really good until, of course, the cliffhanger at the end. Interesting. For me, the finale episode... Now, I was, if I take most of the finale, I was going to rate this episode maybe a four, three and a half or a four. But taking in those scenes of Big Jim Rennie going ballistic, and not just because it was like the gym in the book, but because Dean Norris was really able to just go full bore, that brought my rating all the way up to a six. I'm going to give this episode six out of ten calm cave crowds. 
Now for the season overall, I'm going to go with a five out of 10. Really cool. I squirrel. <laughs> what were what, you what, saying? What was I saying? <laughs> uh, five out of 10 really cool ideas that went nowhere. Oh my. Well, for the whole season wrapped up in a whole, think back at how awesome it started in that first episode and some of the peaks and valleys throughout. Overall, I'd give this whole season a uh, solid six. Six out of ten. Wow, what did I just watch? <laughs> wow, what did I watch indeed? Wow, 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 wow. What did I watch indeed? Pure craziness. So, you know, it. <laughs> there, there's not much to say that we haven't already said as far as our opinions. And before we go on location, I want to remind everybody that we do have an Under the Dome Radio podcast mailing list. If you would like to keep apprised of new episodes of the podcast throughout the off season as we draw near to the next season, if there is one. Plus, if something special happens to come up, we have, can send you out that email if you go ahead and sign up for the mailing list. Of course, we totally respect your privacy. We'll never sell your email address. But if you'd like, uh, go ahead and sign up. We'd appreciate it. And then we can keep in touch with you as needed. I've even signed up for the mailing list because it should be an awesome way to keep in touch over the long 38 weeks now. See, we're getting closer every single week. Well, our, our voicemail line is open. It is plus one nine Oh four, four, six, nine, seven, four, six, nine. We still want to hear from you even during the off season. If you have just nostalgic things that you want to just chat with us, if you want other theories or things that you might have worked out as you were kind of just sitting on the bus in the middle of November as you're going out to do your Christmas shopping and, oh, hey, this is a cool idea I just thought of. You can just go ahead and call us anytime. It is always up and running. Again, plus one, 904-469-7469. And we had a plethora of callers this week. Go ahead and start off with our first one, Wayne. Whoa! Wow! Wow! Oh boy! Wow! Melanie is alive! At least I hope that's Melanie. Oh man, Barbie's magic hand opening that wall. The, is he the monarch? And Was he crowned? Because that's what it looked like to me with some crowning. You know, who cares about that tattoo that Angie had? She's dead. Uh, apparently Julia has been separated literally from Barbie from that big old divide. And then he opens up that whole wall with his hand like, Pichow! And Melanie is just standing in a big whiteness. Where is she? I don't know. Is it the inside of <gasps> the egg? Because that's what it looks like to me. Also, I hope that Big Jim is dead. But due to the sake of TV cliffhangers, he's probably not. And we'll probably see him next season. Just walking around for like two weeks <laughs> with a bleeding wound. I, 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 I'm, I'm up for that all season long. He's just bleeding out, but still murdering people. Going on his rampage. Who are we going to see next season in little flashback ghosts or whatever you want to call him? Here's my theory. Yo, Wayne and Troy, uh, guess what? I think they're all aliens from another planet. And Melanie's like, come on home, honey. Asking them to come back home to the home planet, which I think is where they're going to go 
once they get inside the egg, which is, which I'm going to reveal to you my theory in three, two, one. I think the egg is a miniature spaceship to get them back to their home planet. I know, it's a big theory, but it was a big season finale. Season 3, CBS, bring it on, we want it, everybody wants it. For everybody here at Under the Dome Radio, I'm saying, keep yourself tuned in, Under the Dome. (laughs) Now that's an energetic voicemail. Caller uh, didn't leave the name. Uh, we will have to just kind of guess who it was. But a first-time caller. And what do you think about the fact, Troy, that another planet could be involved? And maybe that's where they're going to be heading. And it would not be a good idea to follow Melanie there. Dude, I don't care whether it's a planet or a world or a vortex or a nebula. He got me at Spaceship. Exactly. I, I was thinking of Benny from the Lego movie. Spaceship. 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 <laughs> Oh, the Lego movie's awesome. Uh, and then, the, of course, the inside of it being the egg white of the egg. That is totally great. I love it. That is probably H- Hank Davis sent in a great feedback for the finale in season one with the number of egg jokes he was able to throw in there. If you yes. haven't heard that, you have to go back and listen to it. This probably we haven't even listened to the rest of the feedback tonight. Now I'm really like psyched out because that was fantastic. I, I love it. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Uh, for sending that in through the speak pipe widget. Much appreciated. Hope to hear from you again soon. Well, then the Mad Hobbit sent us an email and kind of agreed with us that uh, that Pauline wasn't going to be able to paint them a way out. Her reason for sending James to retrieve her paint supplies, her precious, was twofold. Number one, as a mother, she didn't want her son to watch her die. And number two, she had to get Junior out of the room if she had any hope of convincing Rebecca to end her life, James would never have allowed that to happen. And she knew it. Sending him on a fool's errand was her only hope. Yeah, definitely full props to you, the mad Hobbit, because uh, that makes a lot of sense. You know, when we came on the line, just like five minutes after watching the season finale to record our initial thoughts episode, we didn't get a chance to really brew everything over in our minds. And that makes a lot of sense. So Thanks for your help in getting that clarified for us. We also have another first-time caller. Hi, Wayne and Troy. This is Chester Mills. I'm a longtime listener and first-time caller. I got to say that the thing that I liked the best about Season 2 of Under the Dome was that I discovered the Under the Dome radio podcast. It is by far the best Under the Dome podcast out there. I enjoy hearing your discussions and all your theories and even having the listeners call in and, and uh, talk about their theories about the show. Um, I do enjoy the show in spite of some of the campiness that uh, has occurred this season. Uh, the thing that bothered me the most about season two was the fact that they brought in new people. Um, why didn't we see these people in season one? And what kind of a reporter is Julia Shumway that she doesn't know who some of these people are? She doesn't know the story of, of uh, Sam and, and Pauline and, and some of these things here. Um, that, that bothered me a little bit that, you know, hear these people pop up. I, I loved having Dwight Yoakam in the season, but why wasn't he in season one so we knew who he was? I would love to know the, the, the area underneath that dome because Chester's Mill appears to be a small town, and there can't be that many people in that town. I grew up in a town very similar um, in, in appearance to, to that kind of town. 
Another thing that I'm wondering about is, uh, you know, in the lead-in to the show, they always talk about secrets of Chester's Mill. Is the propane thing, the uh, you know, making drugs the big secret? Because, I mean, I'm sure that there's many towns across America that have that kind of secret. That's not a secret. You know, that's just par for the course, it seems like. Um, you know, uh, Jim had mentioned at one point that he used to not be a very nice person before the dome came down. Well, 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 really? I mean, I'd love to see what he did before the dome came down. I mean, he killed quite a few people after the dome came down. So, uh, you know, I mean, well, what kind of secrets does that town hold? Is there more to to just, you know, somebody pushing Melanie and, and her hitting her head and dying, you know? Melanie brings up another point. Um, you know, what connection does she have with the dome? And uh, is it, you know, uh, obviously now that, that we know that Barbie and Melanie are, are half-siblings, um, then, you know, it, it makes sense that Barbie would have some sort of connection with the dome since uh, Melanie has a, a large connection with the dome. And who is her mom that her mom wanted her to meet Barbie when he was just a little boy? I hope there is a season three. Uh, if, if for no other reason, then I get to, to listen to Wayne and Troy talk about the show. Um, very great podcast. Uh, I, I look forward to the show starting up again. Um, I, at this point, I just want to see the, the show to see where everything came from. Where did the zone come from? You know, what are these people, uh, what are they hiding? You know, um, and just kind of play it out. Um, thanks again for a great podcast, and I look forward to hearing from you again soon. Thanks so much, Chester Mills. I love it. You- this is this is why we love doing the podcast because especially when you have these season finale shows, there is just so much love and fandom out there that we can just go ahead and have a great conversation. So worst case scenario, if season three doesn't happen, if nothing else, maybe Wayne and I will just do our own interpretive reading of the Under the Dome novel as a continuation of the podcast. <laughs> that would be kind of fun. Either that or we could come up with our own fan fiction. Oh, that'd be great, too. With the help of the uh, very smart listeners of Under the Dome Radio, we could come up with quite an audio drama, I'm pretty sure. We would actually be able to tie up all of the loose ends of the season the way we think that it should have been done, and then somehow magically time warp the end of our fan fiction back into the real timeline of the book. That's a tall order, but okay. (laughs) Uh, thanks so much for sending that in. I think he's got some great points. You know, the, the big thing again is what will season three bring us? I think we were really amped for season two. I think we were excited to see where the story was going to go. We all were like, okay, if it's going to be different than the book. Where could we actually take this thing? Zenith was, I think, a really great addition. The obelisk was a great addition. Another unsolved storyline that will we ever see the resolution to that? I don't know. But there's just some really great concepts that I wish they was would have flushed out more and stayed away from more from the campiness. But at the same time, the campiness is what kept us watching. It's what kept us interacting and tweeting with all the fans during the show. So we had just have to find that del- delicate balance for season three to keep it interesting yet can't be at the same time. Oh, totally agree. Also, Chester made a great point in his voicemail that I hadn't thought of before is the dark secrets of Chester's Mill. Is it just the drug-making operation, or is there an even bigger, darker secret about Chester's Mill that we will find out about next year? Yeah, I mean, why were these tunnels created underneath the town? I mean, was there something tied to... I mean, they already went back to the gallows, you know, and the fact that they used those way back in the day, 1841 or whatever it was in that little book, 
So was this a, you know, human trafficking? Was it slavery route, underground railroad type of stuff? Yeah, there could be some really interesting things we could learn about the past of Chester's Mill and why they're being punished for their evil doings today. Time will tell. 38 weeks and counting. Well, our friend Kendra, who lives up in that area, actually asked a question about the North Carolina uh, filming laws and if that was changing. And there was rumor, of course, that they weren't going to be filming anymore in Wilmington, North Carolina, if the tax stuff would got improved and if we had heard anything like that or if it was a weird rumor. And I could say from what I've seen from our friends like Sheila Brothers over at uh, Sunny 104.5 in Wilmington, some of our friends that are in Wilmington, as well as uh, Screen Gem Studios. The fact that we haven't heard word on season three yet um, tells me that negotiations are happening. Conversations are being had. Uh, Wayne and I are actually kind of, we'll, we'll be very disappointed if season three doesn't film in Wilmington because we were actually planning a trip there for the filming in the spring uh, to hopefully get some interviews and conversations with the cast members and some of the crew members. We'll, we'll have to wait and see, you know, the, the tax incentive thing is just so frustrating when you follow the story and see what's going on. I mean, there's been some great movies that have been shot and filmed and done in the Wilmington area. I mean, all the way back to even like Dawson's Creek, if you were a Dawson's fan is from the Wilmington right. area. And it's just a shame to know that, you know, this business brings in a lot of jobs and creates a lot of revenue and the tax incentives that were paid out to the, the crews and the companies that shoot these films, the economy and the sales tax that gets driven completely outweighs and even increases the amount of money coming into the state above and beyond what this tax incentive is. And it's just wrong people with the wrong information making decisions. And there's just nothing you can do about it. It is what it is. It's been passed and hopefully they'll, you know, keep moving forward and try to repeal it and do what they can because man, it'd be a, a hurt to that economy for not keeping the film industry in Wilmington. Totally agree. And well said, Troy. Uh, I hope that mess, like I talked about earlier, gets sorted out. It's, it's just frustrating that all these hurdles and roadblocks have to just keep appearing for uh, the folks of uh, Wilmington as well as surrounding areas that have similar deals in place. I mean, another great Monday night show that uh, is now on now that the fall TV is back is Sleepy Hollow, also filmed in Wilmington over on Fox. And the, the, the movie Tammy was filmed right there in Wilmington as well. So lots of great productions, lots of great television shows. It's a great place to shoot. It's a great place to visit. Um, hopefully things will work out for the better. But Kendra continues and she wanted to know our thoughts on season three. Uh, do you think it will happen? I'm sure it will. I mean, the ratings are still fine. And of course, there's the Amazon deal in all the countries that love Under the Dome. So I, I think season three is a lock. It's just a matter of when and where. And then, of course, she uh, goes on with uh, her questions. Uh, I'd like to know if all the townspeople really got out. What will now happen with Julia James and half-dead Jim Rennie? Maybe if we have a season three, the Dome will teach Julia that a bandage doesn't go Outside her clothes, it goes under her clothes. <laughs> True. Uh, is Melanie actually alive or dead now, or is she something else, like an alien? If Chester's Mill residents consider that they're home, then where does Melanie think she is taking them? 
Or when she said going home, was she just saying to Barbie rather than the rest of the town? Is Zenith going to double in population? Can't wait to hear your thoughts, Kendra. That's an excellent point, Kendra. Perhaps Melanie was just wanting Barbie to follow her and she's going to bring him across and tell everybody else. Too bad, so sad. Later. Another great voicemail coming in again from our good friend Neil in Bowie. Hello, this is Neil from Bowie calling Under the Dome Radio for Under the Dome Season 2 Finale. Pauline's final vision after being stabbed tells her the Dome chose Julia and someone else, though he doesn't know he's the one. That one is probably Barbie, as the end of the episode indicates. Tom's really hit hard in this episode, and we have to wonder whether his son Aiden is significant in one way or another. Aiden's name is derived from one that means fiery and or bringer of fire, and was the name of the Celtic sun god. Well, Tom's death was pre- pretty fiery. Pauline says the dome was done with her, and after June was sent away, we see Pauline's final painting, which gruesomely foretold her death. Big Jim brings the hammer down on Rebecca Pine for mercy-killing Pauline. No one is going to miss you, he says, and the watching audience probably agrees. Big Jim seriously loses his mind and tries to bargain with the dome, which doesn't even give him someone to talk to. Well, the hole could have sent Melanie just about anywhere... During this episode, it looks like it just leads into another tunnel with purple glow lights. There's a fork of the tunnel, and for all we know, both paths go to the same place again, but a butterfly leads away on the right path when Joe and Nori are there. Later on, most of the town coming down into the tunnel, the uh, quakes cause a big crevice in the ground, which they have to cross. Crevice gets even wider at the end, and Julia's trapped on the other side. She tells Barbie, I have faith that if you do what is asking, it will protect me. We'll have to wait next season to see what happens there. After the group goes to the right, they do see loads of butterflies in the air with a golden light. More light than actually should probably be possible down there. After those butterflies leave, it looks like they've arrived at a dead end. That would have not been a good place to end the episode, but... There's a lone butterfly sitting on a rock, which inspires Barbie to put his hand on it, and it glows. Melanie appears and says, follow me, we're going home, and that is where the season ends. The end of the episode appears that Julia and Junior are two stranded hands with a lumbering Big Jim possibly coming after them, though he may be too wounded to get down into the tunnel. Is home Zenith? Another dome? Or what? Somehow I have the feeling that the creators of Under the Dome don't know yet either. I'd like to think it that it actually is a new dome, possibly in Zenith, with the egg. That's all. Looking forward to next season, Under the Dome. Neil, thank you so much for all of your support, all of your feedback throughout the uh, seasons. Really appreciate that. Some excellent thoughts there. And yeah, with all these brightly shining butterflies and then the purple stones in the wall, and of course, great point there, Uh, Neil with, oh, I see a lone butterfly on the wall. I'll put my hand there. (laughs) Where'd that come from? I really like the fact that he picked up on Aiden's name being the bringer of fire. That at least has some tie into what Lyle was saying when it goes to the, you know, flames a thousand or 10,000 feet high. So taking that into account, understanding the name Aiden actually means something. And then Pauline saying his face, he doesn't know and the introduction in the same episode, maybe Aiden has some more important role to play that we have not yet seen. Hmm. It is a great call out win. We'll just have to wait and see if they even touch on that at all. 
Well, Tim in Nashville's back and says, hey, guys, hopefully I can get this in on time. Just wanted to say that 20 minutes of Big Jim going around taking people out was the best segment of the entire show. Mm-hmm. It is more realistic to the book and was just awesome. Dean Norris should get an Emmy nod just for the part where the camera is zoomed on his face and he is negotiating with the dome. I get chills just thinking about it. Love the show and have my fingers crossed that you and the show will be back next year. You guys are great. Thanks for keeping me company as I drive to work in the morning. Tim. Great points. And Tim, thanks for the kind words about us keeping you company. (laughs) Hope it makes the uh, commute a little bit better and at least a little sillier, if nothing else. But yes, an Emmy nod for Dean Norris would be fantastic because, you know, if you watch that late at night and you really focus on that acting in that scene, like Tim says, that could kind of creep you out. And then, of course, we have last year an Under the Dome roundtable panel podcast with all the other Under the Dome podcasts people. But our good friend up in Canada, Mark Decote, he wasn't uh, able to just hold back his excitement for the panel. He actually wanted to call in and share some of his thoughts himself right here on Under the Dome Radio. Hey, Wayne. Hey, Troy. Mark Decote here from Solo Talk Media and the Under the Dome podcast. I couldn't see you guys in the crowd there, so I hope you made it onto one of the buses okay and that you find what you're looking for down in those tunnels. I just finished recording my initial thoughts, my double take on this episode, and I was so excited. I said, what else can I do? And I said, I'm going to send these guys some feedback of my own. I hope you agree with me when I say that this is the episode that watchers of Under the Dome have been waiting for a strong, character-driven episode that really didn't have a predicament of the week that they had to solve by the end of the episode. Sure, there was lightning and, and the dome contracting, but that was just the effects that were happening around them, and they didn't have to try to solve those. And I love that about this episode. I absolutely love the turn in Big Jim. We're finally getting to see the Big Jim that we've been hoping for, that we thought we were starting to see at the beginning of season one, and definitely the Big Jim that was from the book. And I hope they keep going with that. And unlike the season one finale where everybody knew darn well that Barbie was going to live and he wasn't going to be hung on the gallows there, this cliffhanger leaves us completely guessing as to what that bright light and what Melanie intends for the people of Chester's Mill. So what do you think, guys? Let's get together, invite a few other Under the Dome podcasters, and have ourselves another roundtable like we did after season one. I think that's something that both your listeners and my listeners would really enjoy, and I think this season really deserves it. So until next time, guys, take care. Mark from Zolo Talk Media, thanks so much for giving us a buzz, 904-469-7469, or of course, you can record your voice just like Mark did using the SpeakPipe widget right on the website. Go to feedback at underthedomeradio.com to send it an email or go to underthedomeradio.com slash feedback to use the SpeakPipe widget. Now, Mark brought up a really good point that this was a character-driven episode. The bigger question is, is even though we were all waiting for a character-driven episode, did we care enough to enjoy it as such? I gave it a seven because of the character-driven episode, but do we really, again, care about the relationship between Pauline and Rebecca? Do we care that Jim is finally negotiating with the dome and talking to the dome like it's an entity, which was set up in the first episode of this season? I think that's where we have to ask ourselves a question. Did it do enough to make me get to that point of excitement that Mark is at? And I would think by the time next summer comes around, we'll be amped up. We'll be rested. We'll be refocused and re-energized. 
and ready for anything. Now, of course, Lucifer is back and I, he says, I almost can't give a comment for this episode. I'm so depressed after mm. denial, anger and bargaining. When will the acceptance come? Big Jim's wrong when he said nobody's going to miss Rebecca Pine. I am. And no funeral. Come on. I hate it because the writers are lame. That was not Becky. Becky wouldn't say because the dome wants to kill her. Becky wouldn't show the syringe left in her hand that easily. Becky would fight for her life, but I guess I just missed the defender of science. <laughs> Why didn't Pauline just die on her own? She's going to bleed to death anyway. She's just fond of using and manipulating people for her own good. When Julia was asked why the dome is raining and when it's contracting, uh, she answered, uh, but she just should have answered, but I feel bad because the writers realized that they actually messed up with the science versus faith concept this season and that's why they decided to kill the science teacher, mathematician, scientist, mad tech nurse, trauma doctor, attempted mass murderer, mercy killer, all at once with a single hammer. I read a comment that the actress playing Julia said they actually shot the series finale. But when the ratings went up and up and up, they changed the finale, retook it, and then made the cliffhanger. So maybe this is originally what actually happened. So they kind of have like an Exodus episode, like in lost. They follow the butterfly, stop for a while, see a dead end. Nori freaks out. The butterfly says, Hey, there's a way. And then the stone of course, accepts Apple's touch ID. Barbie, AKA the monarch touches the wall. The stone crumbles, but nobody gets hurt. Hey, we're out. Everybody happy. Then what they add for the cliffhanger. Let's put Melanie in. Okay. And some CG edits. Okay. We're going home. Cliffhanger ready. <laughs> Seriously. Go away, Melanie. Go away. Go now. I think this show is amazingly different because the show has no plan to wrap things up. What for? Because the show has no idea how their story one episode doesn't coincide to the next. Because the show has no time to recap the previous season. So just create another so different that you have no context between the two. Because the show has no way to make a connection with the dome and the egg and Melanie. And because the show has no point at all. Or because the show has so many viewers pissed off because their questions aren't answered, swearing they won't watch the third season, assuming that there is any, but still watch it because there's no choice, because there's no other shows to watch in the summer because everything else is on hiatus. Kudos to Dean Norris for such great acting, but Big Jim is not right for him. He deserves better. But I want to see Big Jim suffer. Him being dead does not cover all of his crimes. Put him in a single human-sized dome Get him his own spinoff for that called Under the Zorb. <laughs> Maybe some questions have no answers. She said some. Writers make it all. Maybe Under the Dome is always compared to Lost in some way possible because Under the Dome is literally lost. Lost track of everything when it comes to their storytelling. No offense, writers, but this is what you get when you kill off my favorite character. P.S. Thank you for not killing Julia, at least. I love the suspense, though. I vote for Team Troy. There is no way this would stand as a series finale. We still have to witness the dragon, the planting of the six hands or eight, or Pauline was just on drugs at that time. And what about Papa Barbie? Why is the dome contracting? We'll all have to wait and see next time under the dome. Happy podcasting. Thanks, everybody, for a great season. Sir Wayne, Sir Troy, see you next season. And don't give up. Lucifer. <laughs> Great points. And 
interesting way to look at uh, the fact that Pauline might just be using a lot of people, uh, manipulating them for her own uh, desires and whatever she thinks she wants to have happen. You know, the more I think about that, I could see that Pauline being that way and she's not this goody two shoes after all. But what do you think of all those comments there? Uh, he, he, he's obviously pissed off. He really liked Becky. Um, he might be the only one. I mean, I, <laughs> Carla Chrome was a great actress. She did a fantastic job with her English accent or American accent because she's English. And I think that the, the things that she was given, she did what she could with them, much like I think most of the actors and actresses did this season. It, it was just really goofy in a lot of places. And we just sat there scratching our head going, you know, these, these actors are better than this material. And what is the material supposed to mean? And, and I think that just distracted the audience and just got the audience frustrated during the course of the season. So, you know, I could see a lot of points Lucifer's making and agree with them. And on other things, you know, you just have to kind of go with the flow and know that it's a summer show and it's not meant to make sense. Hey guys, Death Gentry, X Force 11, calling in after the season finale. Okay. So, where exactly is Melanie taking them? Where is home? Is it going to be some type of alien sphere or uh, another dome somewhere? Uh, or is Julia and Junior Jane uh, going to be able to send off uh, Jim Rennie um, long enough for the other ones to escape? We're just wondering a lot of these questions. I hope we get answers. And I hope we have another season. Uh, interesting turn of events, but the violent end, and yeah, Jim Rennie is more like he was in the book. Fortunately, not quite as bad yet, but uh, still, wondering where they can go from here and uh, wondering when we're going to find out. Thanks, guys. Bye. Jeff, thanks again for calling in 904-469-7469 with your feedback. Always great to hear from you. And you are such a great participant on so many different podcasts. I think I hear Jeff's voice on more podcasts than any other listener or any other podcaster for that matter. It's great stuff. Thanks again, Jeff. Also, we got this posted on the underthedomeradio.com website from Kate Napier said, okay, this podcast made my day. When they were wandering around the caves, I said to a friend, all they need now is a slee stack to come out. And they had no idea what I was talking about. Yay, I'm not the only one that thought that. Awesome. And of course, if you do not know what we're referring to when it comes to the slee stacks, then of course you can check out our initial reactions at underthedomeradio.com slash 48. But for those of you that do know what we're talking about when we say slee stacks, this one's for you. To the left. Okay, that was fun. Let's continue on with another great voicemail from longtime listener, the original Jim. Greetings, gentlemen. I cannot think of anything to say that hasn't already been said about this second season of Under the Dome. I cannot help but agree with Nori when she says, It's nothing but a giant killer suck hole. As far as this second season is concerned. 
Frankly, I am finding the show almost too confusing to follow, and oftentimes find my mind wandering and then have to force myself to refocus on what is going on. My theory is that perhaps the writers of UTD are just simply trying to put way too many ideas into a single show, while at the same time they never seem to follow through with the things that they introduce in previous shows. This last episode did, however, get a lot more interesting when Big Jim once again became his old self again as he wielded his hammer. But that was only after he stood and appealed to the dome, giving it a whole five seconds to bring his wife back to life before he goes on his killing spree. I guess my main problem is that they continue to insist that this is a science fiction series, but there is a lot of fiction and very little science. It seems more like a fantasy series to me, with faith in the dome, butterflies, deep dark caverns, malcontent teenagers, and people killing with impunity being the main ideas. Oh, and let's not forget the Barbie-Julia connection. Or perhaps it would be better if we did forget that one. Despite everything that is wrong with the show, what makes it fun to watch is listening to Under the Dome Radio. If there is a next season... I will probably watch and definitely will listen to Under the Dome Radio. Here's to hoping that the UTD writing staff learns to tell a story that follows some direction, any direction. Thank you so very, very much uh, for putting that together, sending it in. And that Nori sound clip was hilarious and uh, very well stated. And thanks again for joining and listening to Under the Dome Radio and you can hear Jim. He's also contacting a lot of different podcasts out there. Hear Jim's voice on a lot of other shows, as well as his own Babylon 5 podcast that, uh, you know, talk about classic science fiction. Oh, yeah. And he's doing some great stuff. Babylon 5 is doing some great stuff for the Dune podcast as well. I think it's great that Jim kind of echoes the same points as everybody. There are episodes we just love the season and there's episodes where we just go, are we watching Under the Dome or something else? But uh, I, I think that you know, the one thing that we've always said is that community makes the show the best. And we're glad that you guys are here to stick with us as we talk about it. We try to keep it light. We try to keep it entertaining. And I am so glad that somebody actually used that line because I highlighted it, starred it, put it up, printed it out, put it on my bulletin board, because that was probably the line that summed up season two. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Okay, well, Linda wrote in and she had an email for us and said that she was very disappointed in season two after a dynamite opening, thanks to the king himself. It basically deteriorated into a mishmash of bad dialogue, trite relationships, and unbelievable premises. It is not well done sci-fi, nor is it camp. It is not Twilight Zone, nor 60s TV Batman, and it could have been either. But going into the light as Lost celebrates its 10-year anniversary was just plain wrong. But I love your podcast, and we thank you so much, Linda, for sending that in. I think that basically we get down to the end of the feedback here that everybody enjoyed Under the Dome, but season two really left a wondering taste of after 39 weeks, will we still love it when it comes back next summer? Yeah, it's great to hear from you, Linda. You bring up some excellent points there, and your frustrations are well noted. And 
like you said, with the celebration of uh, 10 years of lost <laughs> going into the light is very, very strange way to end the season two after all. But uh, we'll have to see what happens if and when there is a season three. Well, our final Under the Dome radio DJ of the week, I think we're going to have to give it to our crazy first caller just because the voicemail was so awesome. So unknown energetic caller, you are the Under the Dome radio DJ of the week for this finale episode. But most importantly, thanks to all of you for participating, playing along in the Domehead and Domey community because this has been a fantastic time as we all kind of wade back and forth, suffering through season two, we at least did it together. And that's what makes it fun just to hang out with all of you guys each and every week. Totally agree. 100%. The interaction with the other listeners, as well as the, anybody that contacts the show, having this community of the under the dome radio listeners is the best part of the show. Speaking of those great listeners, we're going to skip our investigative reporting since we have no news to report on season three and go right into the requests and dedication section uh, as we're getting kind of long in the tooth as it is already. And we just wanted to give shout outs and thank yous to the SOGT. I'm sorry, the SOG true believer from the UK who sent an iTunes review back mid September I've been listening to Under the Dome Radio since season one of Under the Dome, and it is a funny, entertaining, and informative show. Wayne and Troy offer interesting perspectives, thoughts, and theories about each episode, which helps me appreciate the show even more. I read the book ages ago, and my limited memory of it, along with Wayne and Troy noting references to it, helps me appreciate the TV adaptation even more. If you enjoy Under the Dome, you should listen to UTDR to further enhance your enjoyment of being trapped under the dome. I love that he used trapped under the dome. That was great. A perfect tie into how we like to sign off the show sometimes. And thank you again for taking the time out to go into iTunes, log in and leave that review. We appreciate it more than we can even state. We even appreciate it when we get two reviews in iTunes, both five stars. This one came in from gas man guitarist from the USA. I listened to all the UTD podcasts, but this one is by far the best. Wayne and Troy have intelligent conversations about this show and seem to be well-read and well-versed in many facets of the entertainment world. They entertain many thoughtful theories about what's going on and have an excellent fan feedback section. As long as Under the Dome is on the air, I'll be listening to Wayne and Troy. Thanks so much for those iTunes reviews. Yeah, I mean, it's been a great season. We love hanging out with you guys and we were nervous, of course, that you all might not come back after 39 weeks to listen to us either. And of course, it's been a great community. I think it's grown over two seasons. So again, keep the word spread. Let everybody know that we will be here if season three does come around the corner. Awesome stuff. Thanks again. It's humbles me to no end that uh, you take time out of your day to listen to Under the Dome Radio and then to also go leave a review in iTunes because I leave reviews for other podcasts that I enjoy listening to. And uh, we don't take it lightly because we know it is a bit of uh, work to get that taken care of. Well, we want to remind you that the best way to keep in touch with us is stay subscribed. You can go to Stitcher Radio and subscribe there. That's under the dome radio.com slash Stitcher. You can, of course, now subscribe in the iTunes podcast app. It's permanently affixed on your brand new shiny iOS iOS 8 install, so you can't get rid of the podcast app. You might as well subscribe and keep these episodes flowing. 
That's at underthedomeradio.com slash iTunes. Because if we do get a chance to put together the roundtable again this year, you will want to get that as soon as it comes out, as we have some great Under the Dome podcast in the community that we'd love to share thoughts and theories with all of you. And then, of course, again, leave those reviews in iTunes throughout the offseason, as, of course, the fans would love to hear if you like their feedback, as well as us. And then that, of course, gets the show exposure, of course, during the 39-week hiatus. So once again, thanks so much for taking time out of your day or night to listen to Under the Dome Radio, whether we're keeping you company while you're driving to work, while you're walking the dogs, working out, anything you're doing, listening to Under the Dome Radio is much appreciated. Thank you so much. Please share your thoughts and theories for the next episode, whenever that may happen to be. Just visit underthedomeradio.com slash feedback for all the details. And until next time, I'm at Wayne Henderson. And I'm at Troy Heinrichs staying buried underground for 39 weeks as we are all trapped under the dome. Under the Dome Radio. Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Get organized in your personal and professional life, laugh with our clean comedy, theorize over great television shows, and so much more, all waiting for you at noodle.mx.